Welcome to Don't Encourage Us, the podcast where we talk about the big ideas and fiction projects of all different kinds. Books, movies, TV shows, video games, nothing's off limits. And make sure you stay away from those like and subscribe icons. We believe art is a collective endeavor. <laughs> we tap no into the collective no artistic consciousness. Sound. Yeah, <laughs> Sound is for everybody. Sound. Just like nobody owns land. <laughs> You put your white suit on and strut around the courtroom <laughs> saying that. What is art? What is what sound? Is sound? <laughs> Am I making sound? Do I own this sound now? Do I own your sound, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you made a sound in response to my sound. Ladies Do I and own gentlemen. that sound? <laughs> and then just make random sounds throughout then- the entire trial. And then just bang on the desk every time. <laughs> bang on the desk. Do I own this sound? <laughs> just rip a massive fart. Is this sound for everybody? Right at the end, TM. <laughs> <laughs> it goes straight to the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> we are People already wasting sound. people's time. Yep. People versus sound. <laughs> <laughs> The famous Supreme Court case, twenty twenty two, in our white suits with our canes <laughs> that we point at people, <laughs> which threw out copyright law forever. <laughs> Trade off our the cane with whoever's talking. It started a domino effect in the copyright industry. That's right. No one owns anything. No one owns anything. Do you own paper? Do you own the English language? No, I'm no. taking your novel. <laughs> Air. No one owns air. No one can own this novel. <laughs> Good stuff. This is how dystopian futures happen. Idiots yeah. like us. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is idiocracy. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they end up locking down literally everything under ridiculous laws because we pushed it just a little too far. <laughs> a little too big. And the slippery slope got We got so it through. <laughs> it was chaos. It was like In a burning time. Yeah. <laughs> And there will be statues of us so people can throw rotten fruit at them forever. Okay, so story break. Story break theme. I think that's where we started. Story break. I say, I say you pick, uh, pick a favorite TV show, preferably mm-hmm. some sort of children's show, and then make up new lyrics. I think I thought, that's the strategy. I thought I was going to do Magnum TI. Oh, you could do that. Story break, story break, story break. <laughs> story break. I love it. That's today's theme. Magnum PI. Awesome. So next week we're going to do Dead Heat, right? Oh, yeah. I have it on my notes here. And Treat Williams, the actor. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I really, this is off topic. Uh, do we have a topic? We'll get to no, it. No, uh, this, this is standard for us. But I actually have gotten excited this week about doing the, I started with thinking I want to do Team Knight Rider. I want to do an episode on the TV show Team Knight Rider. Are you familiar with that? Have you no. heard about this? Have you seen no. this? No. Okay, so you know Knight Rider, right? Michael mm-hmm. Knight, David Hasselhoff. Okay, so bum, they've bum, tried bum. a few times to... <laughs> story break, story break. <laughs> um, they've tried a few times to resurrect that IP. One of the attempts was called Team Knight Rider, where instead of one supercar, it was a series of vehicles. I think it was it was pretty lame choice. It was like a F-150 or some sort of pickup truck. It was like a... 
suburban type SUV. If I recall, there was a sports car, at least one. And then I think there were two motorcycles for some reason, but then they could go together to form a car. I don't know. It was, oh. it was weird. It didn't really work. Um, but it's interesting to me when they try to like desperately resurrect an IP and make it work. So then I realized uh, if I'm going to do team Knight Rider or if we're going to do team Knight Rider, because I'm going to drag you through this as well. Like, mm-hmm. like you're trailing like behind the car by the bumper with <laughs> some sort of nightmare scenario. Uh, I'd also like to do the other times they tried to resurrect the Knight Rider IP because they did a Knight Rider 2000. And then they also more recently did a Knight Rider series where it looked like a reboot, like a total reboot. But then they revealed during season one that this, that the lead was actually the, I think he was the son of Michael Knight. When, when did this come out, by the way? Oh, um, I, well, obviously you don't watch enough television. Um, it's it's uh, ever since the eighties, they're kind of peppered throughout the eighties, right? There was a, it was supposed to be a pilot, but it ended up just being a TV movie and they made kit. I think it was set in like, I forget. It was like the far future, you know, the year 2010 or something. Um, and it was made in the nineties. I want to say team Knight Rider was like late nineties Knight Rider. 2000 was like year 2000, I think, but it was set in the future. I'm don't quote me on that. I got to do my research, but it was a red car. It was like yeah. a red supercar. Uh, I don't know how I missed this. Oh, dude, there's a whole Knight Rider mythology car at one point, uh, you know, K A R R, yeah, right? yeah, automated roving yeah. robot, right? Uh-huh. So in the original series, it was just like a, basically the exact same as Kit, but it had like a gray under paneling or the side paneling was partially gray. Uh, and he was mean. Um, but then when they brought him back for uh, Knight Rider, I think, it, what did they bring him back for? Team Knight Rider, maybe. I think it was Team Knight Rider. He was actually a transforming vehicle where he turned into like a Terminator robot as well as a car. I think that wow. was in that one. Yeah. Was it gray? Uh, it had, it was black on top and then gray paneling. I I, I'm talking I... about in the, in the original. I remember a gray version of that car for some reason. Yeah, like it had gray on of, it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then yeah, I so, vaguely remember this. Yeah. Yeah. He had a great line in the original series. Uh, so of course the original night, uh, night, what is it? Night 2000. Um, yeah. The night Kit. rider. Yeah. Kit. Kit. Kit was voiced by the same guy who was the principal on, was it Saved by the Bell? No, that's Mr. Belding. Different show. Uh, oh, there was a kid's show about a guy. Oh, man, I can't think of it. But it was the same actor. He's, he's actually a, an actor you'd recognize. He did the voice. But for Carr, they had somebody with a much more sinister voice. And there was a great part in one of his episodes where Carr is like sitting on the side of a street and he's kind of bored because whoever's dealing with him is in the store and he's scanning the people around him, the pedestrians. And he goes, well, 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 a pacemaker. And he like zaps (laughs) it (laughs) to give the guy a heart attack. That's, this sounds terrible, but I can't wait to see what it's all about. We should spend at least an hour and a half on it. If it's an episode, you have to edit. If not a multi-episode, part this is a one, season. Part one of five, a podcast right. miniseries. Season one, <laughs> we do Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. Season two is the mythology of Knight Rider. It, you would think that wouldn't be that long, the mythology of Knight Rider, but oh, we'll make it not- as long as possible, four and a half hours at least. We live in the era of, yeah, absolutely. We live in the era of trying to milk IPs. Mm-hmm. 
people like what is familiar, you know, yeah. I don't know if it's a decline of America. Like we had our glory days. They just the want to rehash it. They and did everybody it just v. wants to go back there. Yeah. With what? V. The oh, yeah. Show. Oh, absolutely. And they did it V with one of the actresses that I love. Yeah. She was in it, but it was it was um, Morena Baccarin, right? That's right. Yeah. But man, even with her in it, that remake was difficult to get. It was through. it was tough. Yeah, it was a one trick pony. Like there wasn't much to it. It'll be back. They'll dig it up out of the grave. They'll dig that horse skeleton. Two thousand. They came out with Gossip Girl again, and that oh, show just yeah. was out in like the two thousands. It's not even that old, and they just mm-hmm. re redid it and screened the, the series. People say that. the new one's not bad. The new Gossip Girl or Scream? No, the new Scream movie. Is there oh, a series? Okay. I think there's a series on like MTV or something, but I think that was bad, and they canceled it. Uh huh. Teen Wolf. Teen they Wolf resurrected Teen Wolf yeah. because. When you watch Teen Wolf, you think, man, there's a lot of meat here. This is really the Lord of the Rings for the new generation, right? There's so (laughs) much going on, right? High school kid. Layer after layer of complexity. You can go go anywhere with this. Puberty and you're a werewolf. That's the pitch. And you're great at basketball, right? That's the other part. That was a tacked on (laughs) bit because basketball was popular at the time. That's it, right? And they resurrected it and turned it into a TV series. Incredible. Speaking of half-baked ideas. Mm-hmm. So this idea I've been kicking around for a long time. I came up with it years ago. It was this idea, you know, the, the concept of like magical realism in literature where things like happen and it's just part of the world. No one really delves too deeply into it. Like a character suddenly disappears and they're not part of the narrative anymore. You know, they go out for a walk and they don't come back. And it's just accepted that they never came back, but no one really digs deeper into where they went. So I was thinking of this concept. Everyone knows gravity is a force, et cetera. It's like a you know law of physics. I don't but, know. I don't remember that part in the Bible, but continue. <laughs> but this idea that there's this guy, he's having like a, he has a pretty rough life. He doesn't like his job at all. And one day he's like hoping that he'll just float away. And he ends up literally like floating away right? There's no more gravity for this person. And I was thinking to myself, like, where could you take this story, right? Could it be something where like gravity only is effect, it only works in certain ways that we're not sure about. Like there's a new discovery in science that's made based on the fact that this guy just floated away, seemingly defying the law of gravity, which everyone has known, you know, larger object, smaller object, smaller objects attracted to a larger object. And there's a mystery behind this. Um, scientists get involved. You're kind of following the story behind that. So what's actually happening with this guy? Why did he float away? Then other people start floating away too. And it seems like the force of gravity that's attracting everything to the earth and everything together is starting to kind of fall apart. And mm. they're not sure why this is happening. And I haven't really taken this this idea really much farther than that, but I thought it would be an interesting concept kind of along that whole magical realism where there's like a concept that we know that is true, but within the confines of this world, it just doesn't exist the same way that we thought it did. So it kind I, of- I'm going to stop you there. I love this. This is an amazing idea. This is so good. So what I think you're doing is you've created a world And you've set up a context where there's a lot of potential for stories. Like there's so many 
aspects, so many levels of um, perspective, you know, like big picture all the way down to the most intimate, like you could look at this as a trend in the entire universe and explore that from a near omniscient perspective all the way down to following just one person as they experience this. And to that point, when I originally thought of this, I thought about it as a a short film. So Mm -hmm. basically the film would just be around this one guy, how his life is like going nowhere. He's really depressed. He wants to disappear basically. And one day he gets his wish Mm -hmm. and it would be, you know, let's say a 10 minute short around what actually ends up happening, which is he actually just floats away. And that's the end of of the short film. And it's basically just like a character study. Mm -hmm. What happens when you wish for something hard enough and, you know, you get that wish and because it was this magical realism concept, it just, it shocks everybody, but we don't take it down the line of like the scientific angle. We look at it more as like this guy, the end of the story is basically the end of his life, but it's like taken from him by the universe. You know, it's yeah. not that he commits suicide or anything like that. It's just one day he gets it. He's walking home and he just starts floating away. And I just thought, you know, how easy that would, because I was thinking about ideas for how do you do a short film that's really budget conscious, mm. but has like kind of this higher concept where you could easily show this, you know, by just showing his legs, like moving off the sidewalk and that's how it ends. So it's basically everything that happens up until that particular point. And then I thought of the scientific angle that what if gravity really is falling apart in this phenomenon's happening all over the world, but no one knows right. why. Yeah. Yeah. This that's so interesting. So I think one of the things we would need to decide would be what is the tone? Like, is this, or what is the genre, right? Is this magical realism where you've presented the audience with something they need to accept there? It will not be explained and you need to convey that it's not going to be explained and then uh, follow the consequences of it. Like that's the one thing that they'll accept is like for reasons unknown, gravity is not functioning or it's breaking apart. And we're going to follow this person as he slowly or she slowly, you know, loses gravity initially being lighter and then slowly floating and missing or passing up on opportunities to grab hold of things. Uh Right. And it's only affecting them until you realize at a certain altitude that there are other people who are also affected or everyone's affected or something like that. And then, you know, the end, right. Before they all die, you know, uh, or before you find out what happens to them, but a very different way to take it is to um, creatively show the effects of gravity breaking down in a way that you understand as the writer Uh and is slowly revealed to the audience through science fiction. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that has broader implications. So it can also start off with one individual, but as the scope expands, you realize that it has, you know, impact in the end on a planetary or even, you know, maybe the solar system, like, a, or maybe uh, greater than that kind of, it's like space is warping and a part of the universe or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting way to take it because you can take it from the individual level. But I like the what you mentioned about how he maybe it's not so sudden. If it's not so sudden, that would be a really interesting take, I think. Like little by little, this starts happening mm. and them trying to figure it out. Kind of like that 
what is it, Franz Kafka, the metamorphosis where that guy turns into mm. a huge bug little mm-hmm. by little, but they never explain why. And he's mm-hmm. like just transforming into this creature little by little, but this would be around gravity. Like at first he's like a little bit lighter. Huh, that's weird. Like I took yeah. a step, but I seemed to float a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And how that start of, starts affecting him and where he like, maybe he's in his apartment or his house or whatever it is. And at one point he's literally floating really high. And now he's kind of stuck to the, to the ceiling, let's say, and how he like has to figure out how to get around. And then eventually he ends up not being able to do it. And he like gets pulled out the window or whatever it might be. And then he finds all those people who are also up there with him. And we don't know why, or all this is happening and people are seeing it happen over time. And then it becomes this whole scientific exploration of like how they're going to reverse this from happening. Or we find out that gravity is on a grid and there are only Mm. certain places on Mm -hmm. earth where this grid is malfunctioning. The other part of it was that what if gravity is functioning on earth as a force, like kind of like a force field that's being controlled somehow in some type of lab. And that's what's doing, but gravity affects everything at the atomic level. So you need to kind of explain that too, if you got into that, but let's say like you're at the atomic or subatomic level and gravity is the thing that was created. And maybe everything we know about the universe was also created to function around this idea of gravity being on a grid, but now the grid is malfunctioning. And -hmm. there's certain areas of earth where gravity is just not functioning the way it should. So when you step over those areas, everything lifts off. And why is that? which is a whole other concept. I know, but I just thought it would be kind of kind of an interesting way to look at it. Like what our reality is or what we think is real is not really real. It's all part of this construct and gravity is just one piece of that. And when it starts malfunctioning, that's when we get into the real story of like this mystery, like who's controlling it, why. Yeah, uh, there's so many ways you could go with this aspect of it. You could absolutely do an interesting in-depth hard sci-fi exploration like uh six and lu is a chinese science fiction author wrote three body problem and a bunch of really amazing stuff um one of his novels is called ball lightning in english and i think that's what it's called um but it's all about the hard scientific uh sorry hard sci-fi interpretation of a natural phenomena, which is ball lightning. Ball lightning is like a real thing, but he takes it in a really interesting, very um, grounded in some ways, very uh, extremely like unrealistic in others. Right. But it it feels very real and it's, it's a really fun, exciting uh, in-depth exploration of a complicated natural phenomenon like you're describing. Right. But then you could also take it in a different direction where you cast Kirk Cameron and it's all about, you know, the, uh, the presence of things, great forces greater, you know, or a force greater than anything science can understand uh, and how humans are impacted partially through their lack of faith. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's so many ways you can go. I would love to spend hours getting into all the different ways that you could apply science to this, but I wonder if the more interesting piece or the piece that's missing, that's more significant is why do we care about this person, right? If you're going to follow one person, 
is this a metaphor for something in his life? Like you alluded to it reflecting his thoughts or his choices, right? Do you have any yeah. ideas around this person that we're going to follow? I just had a rough sketch of someone who was successful at one point in his given field, but then over time he gets disillusioned. He ends up going into some type of role that he isn't really happy with. So it's all the elements, kind of like the character that you described as part of that sitcom. Mm-hmm. And I kind of imagine him along those lines, like mm-hmm. someone who's successful, then things aren't working out for him. He's trying to get his life together, but he's not able to. I think that would be the interesting part, right? Like you're saying, like following this one guy in his kind of journey. And what if he found out that there were different parts of Earth where gravity's not working and he wants to step into that part? So basically, he wants to kill himself in this particular way. That could be yeah, something so too. I think right? you're, a, you're setting up a parallel between someone being, um, I mean, for lack of a better word, not being grounded, right? Losing yeah. the things in their lives, the beliefs, the. Yeah. The, the cornerstones, compass, the structure, right? Yeah. yeah, losing direction and structure, essentially. Yeah. And much like a boat that isn't moored, you know, being cast out to sea or being drifting out to sea in a way that's unpredictable and feels confusing. Mm-hmm. And if you and you're playing with gravity to extend that metaphor, mm-hmm. right? Visually. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah. So then the it- person would wrestle. Sorry, answer the question. When I first thought of this, it was a metaphor. It's like how, uh-huh. like he doesn't have the nerve to commit suicide or he doesn't want to do any of that. He just wants his problems taken care of for him. And what's the most basic way that he could think of was if there was no gravity, if he just was able to float away. Like, you know, when people are like, oh, I wish I could just disappear. Uh, but imagine yeah. it's like you're disappearing, but like, He's now, like you're saying, like unmoored, right? His okay. life is his life is a mess. Now he wants an easy way out. The easiest way is, is like another force beyond himself just takes care of his problem without him having to go through all the steps that you would need to take in order to deal with your problems or a more drastic solution, the suicide approach. So he just wishes for the universe to, to bestow this on him. And one day he gets his wish. That's how it originally started. Yeah. So I think you're describing someone who's oscillating between passive suicidal ideation and a passive coping style. Like they are avoidant and they want things to happen. Like they don't have initiative or they've surrendered initiative. Uh Um, Maybe they don't believe in their own efficacy. Uh Like they now want, or they believe that if change is going to occur, if they're going to achieve their goal, it's going to be outside of their power, right? It's going to happen because something else did it for them. And Uh I think you're saying, and if that doesn't work, they would rather just not exist. Uh And he's oscillating between the two. So then the question is, how do you demonstrate that as part of floating away or irregular gravity? which would, you know, if it's patchwork or grid-like, then at times this person's floating away and then he would drift into a zone where there is gravity either to a lesser or full extent, or, you know, or a less oh. than normal or full extent. And then he would start to drop and he would need to make choices. You would need to see his agency because someone who's just 100% passive coping isn't really going to be interesting in this mm-hmm. challenge. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. 
So why would he struggle with this? What would pull him back? Other than gravity being temporarily restored, what thoughts or ideas might pull him back to active coping and wanting to, and like believing in his own agency? Any ideas? Actually, you just brought up an interesting, really interesting idea, which is that maybe gravity is restored for him as he starts taking action to try to fix his life. Like as his thoughts mm-hmm. start changing, as he's floating away, he's having right. those regrets, like what the hell's happening. Mm-hmm. And that kind of keeps him grounded and he needs to keep doing this or else he is just going to float away. Mm-hmm. Thought that was so it's, kind a, of- it's an inverse Peter Pan rules. You've got to believe in your adult responsibilities to or stay else. on the ground yeah. or else yeah. you float away literally, like, a, like a lost boy child. Yeah. I like that though. And Peter Pan's such a classic (coughs) that you can have that um, as part of the fabric, but never reference it. And it still will resonate with some people on some level, right? You never need to to in any way reference Peter Pan, but, but that's what you're starting to do is like maybe the child version of this idea is that you, um, you need to use your imagination and let go of, you know, I mean, the story, Peter Pan's timeless because it speaks to adults, right? We, mm-hmm. we get too grounded, yeah. but you've created an opposite circumstance where somebody has become so presumably overwhelmed or defeated that they're now flipping back and forth between forms of giving up, yeah. you know, and that's resulting in them literally losing connection with the earth, mm-hmm. with the ground. And they, and they sometimes regain it momentarily and maybe it's unclear to the audience why they're yeah. not floating away in those moments as much. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a sci-fi reason. It could be uh, a more mystical, fanciful, you know, kind of magical reason where somehow our thoughts are altering reality or the fabric of, of or the nature of gravity. Like quantum um, mechanics or something. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like um, the observer effect, I'm saying. Okay, sure. Yeah. Fine. Um, I mean, you can hash out the science, but again, the more interesting piece here at the moment, I think, or the more, the more central piece to how enjoyable this is, is this person's journey. Uh So where does he end up? Where does this person end psychologically? I think if if you're going to really follow the metaphor all the way, then he ends up being grounded. He, he gets back the things that he lost his success at the end in whatever field he he was successful in that's okay, so he's it's kind floating of- away he's wrestling with his ability to affect change in the world and now with gravity mm-hmm. uh, or his own life and also i guess in the world as reflected by gravity and then he's getting higher and at times he's coming back down at other times but on average higher and higher representing the increased risk the escalation of risk and then ultimately, this character embraces his own ability to affect change, mm-hmm. and that what bring that leads him to grab a hold of something or literally reconnect with the surface of a building, like the the roof of a building, and his feet now stay planted because he's determined and he's no longer viewing himself as you know a leaf in the wind right like i'm mm-hmm. uh, the the mercy of forces that i can't control or produce. is that that's a very specific cultural set of beliefs if mm-hmm. that's where it ends yeah yeah it would be 
I wonder how you'd illustrate that though. Like it, I just had this idea that what if this whole thing happened in reverse? So that there's the mystery. So it starts out with him floating. Mm-hmm. So as he's floating, then the story gets told in reverse. Like how did he end up in this situation? And then there's a resolution that mm-hmm. brings him back down. So you go, he's floating in the beginning. You start telling the story, you come back to that. And then he comes back down for whatever reason, something's resolved within that time span. Okay. So then if he's floating upwards, you can have him having conversations with people, right? Not people who are floating, but like he has a phone Mm -hmm. uh, and he has, you know, earbuds or whatever. And so he's called someone and that action that, you know, taking initiative, he's, he goes up slower, right? It slows him down. Uh-huh. And he's, co- he's having conversations with this person. And then, you know, maybe that person they they lose battery and that person, you know, is now like running up stairs and, and they're having a conversation where that person's yelling out the window and he's just far enough away. And maybe there's some attempts, but to throw him things, but he doesn't even really grab them uh-huh. or he doesn't grab, hold on very hard. And the person runs up a couple more flights and is yelling down. And like the course, what you're describing happens over the course of those conversations, however they occur. And then at a final point, our, our main character embraces his ability to affect change. And then he's grounded is what you're saying. Like Uh you want, is is that what you mean? Or do you want him to wrestle with it on his own? I don't think he really can effectively wrestle with it on his own without having these interactions with somebody else. I don't think it would be okay. as, as entertaining. And maybe the thing he's dealing with is something that he wasn't able to do someone he wasn't able to save. And he's battling guilt over that some event that kind of grounds this whole story. Uh, so it's, it's revealed that this, he started on this path. He lost his will to affect change in his own life because he couldn't of an event somebody. Yeah, or a series something. of events And then he wrestles with it as he's floating away. Uh, You could even have another person who's experiencing the same phenomenon and they're conversing and have him come to a realization that allows him to land or to, Uh you know, reconnect with gravity and the other person, not the other person accepting, you know, or or passively uh, refusing to acknowledge that they have, they can affect change. Like there's a, there's a median point. There's a balance. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the key to this story. If you're going to make it a short film. Yeah. It's a, it's a tricky short film in the sense that it's one event that's happening. And the way I imagined it is that it happens at the end when I originally thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought about it one version where you don't actually know if he ends up floating away, like this whole, whole concept of like gravity disappearing is kind of Mm. left hanging at the end, kind of like the, uh, what is it? Like the top that they spin at the end of inception. Ah, Does it fall or keep going? Right. So like he jumps for some reason and he may, he stays in the air a little bit longer, or maybe he didn't that Uh, kind of representative uh of like, that was real. What he was thinking about. The other idea was that he starts noticing that gravity isn't working correctly. And like, Mm -hmm. you're kind of, wondering like, is this guy insane or is this actually not working? And then it leads him to this path at the end where it doesn't work for him or does it, which was like this question mark bending for a short film. 
I like that for a short film because it dodges my problem. I tried to trap you in a conceptualization and I'm realizing that was unnecessary. Since it's a short film, if the character wrestles with something and it is left unresolved, that's okay because audiences of short films typically are very tolerant of walking away thinking like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's more about art than it is about having three acts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think you're totally right. Yeah. That works really well. It's just a thought provoking piece where maybe, you know, as the audience uh, steps away from it or turns off YouTube or whatever, mm-hmm. they're, they're left thinking a little bit about, and what, what do you want them to think about? Cause I, I keep throwing stuff out, but I think you're, you're on maybe a better path with this than I, than I'm trying to force it on. You want to be left with this sense of things aren't really working the way you think they work. There's certain laws and, and the way that life actually works is different than what you think. And on a very, very basic level, right? And in this case, when I first thought about it, it was this idea that he's floating away, right? That's like the metaphor for like him wanting to disappear. But really, if you you can take it in the direction where if he notices things aren't operating the way that he wants them to, can he actually take advantage of that, so to speak? And can, can he defy the law of gravity? Like these things that he's seeing around them are kind of defying that law and he can mm-hmm. kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. But by having this open-ended ending, I really was thinking along the lines, is this something that I could actually make when I first thought of it? Like, what would be a high concept thing that you could do without having to have special effects in it? And it wasn't like the things floating around him. It was the ending where he actually floats away. And that was like the original seed of this. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, but it, it gets very metaphysical and very open-ended. So it becomes more abstract art where people project meaning onto it. Uh My tendency is to provide interpretations or imply them Uh so that people can, you know, work from a base Uh and see more in it if they choose to, or if they're able to, Um, maybe even more than I saw in it. But I think your style is more open-ended. Like this is what happened and it's surreal and you do whatever you want with that. Right. right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a great style. I think that works. Then it's very much about the visuals. It's about the subtleties of the acting. It's about even things like lighting can be very significant in, in that. And, you know, the presence or absence of sound or music, those things all become more significant mm-hmm. uh, because you're trying to trigger a reaction in somebody where they're basically it's derealization, right? They're disconnected from their own sense of reality, not in an aggressive questioning way, but in almost like a way like they're floating. Yeah. Right. So I think that works. I think that's really cool. And that's a neat idea. It's difficult to capture. I mean, the editing too, like so many elements of it need to combine to trigger derealization for, it's, you know, in the audience. It's really challenging. It's I, yeah, I mean, it's been done though. I mean, it can, it can be done for sure. I and it's not expensive. It's time consuming. It's not expensive. Yeah, it's time consuming. And you could literally do it as a series of flashbacks that kind of represent his journey until that one point to the mm-hmm. point where you realize he wants gravity to kind of stop working for him. Mm-hmm. Like get him to that point. Like you're having these flashbacks of maybe things going wrong, him with his family or with a woman or whatever it might be. But yeah. You could actually have it be a silent film, which is mm-hmm. just driven 100%. by music and visuals. And then the end is where there's that floating scene that I'm talking about where you're not quite sure 
was this all in his head in the first place? Or was this actually happening? And now he actually got what he wanted, but you actually right. don't know because of the way it's edited, right? Where he stays kind of lifted longer than he should, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where the acting, the body posture, the facial expressions, so, so, so important to leave the audience in the place you want them to be, mm-hmm. where if they've embraced the metaphysical in their life, or they are experiencing a form of derealization or depersonalization in that moment, that his elevation of the characters, uh, the character being aloft triggers a real physical sensation in them. And they mm-hmm. go with that. Whereas other people might just think, well, I'm uncomfortable with that. I, in my mind, he needs to land and he does. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting in telling. Um, so there's so much left unsaid in that version of it. And, and so much is up to the audience. He might actually travel to a specific place where it's been said that, you know, gravity doesn't exist here every once in a while or every certain amount of years or whatever it is. And he could, mm-hmm. you could show that visually like him doing the research into this phenomenon. Uh, see, now you're grounding it again, though. Is that what you want? Do you want it partially grounded in logic? It it could be partially grounded, but it's so far-fetched to begin with, this idea that gravity doesn't, that it, like, maybe it it is, it is something where, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the legend of the sword in the stone or the fountain of youth or whatever. You kind of ground it around that concept and he has to kind of, he travels to this place and let's say it's like a completely innocuous place right near him. Like it's at a park, Mm -hmm. right? Some place that's not, that doesn't really look like anything. And once he gets there, that's where this scene that I'm talking about happens. So you're not sure if it was like, if this is total bullshit, if it's real. (laughs) So it kind of becomes like his, his journey into kind of getting to that place based on these flashbacks that you've shown the audience of like, things not working out the way that they should have worked out for him, kind of creating that character. And then at the end, is there a resolution or maybe not? And it's just wishful thinking on his part. He really wants this to be true, but Mm -hmm. you never really know. Like, is this a legendary place? Is this a real thing? Or is it just completely made up? And he's, you know, really. See, I, I, I love that. And I like what you're doing. I, as an audience member for that, would want to know what his choice was. And if he goes to this place and he's up in the air a little too long, and I don't know, then I would assume he chose to give up. Like he's basically abandoning life or his life, however you want to think of it, or his own sense of ability to fix things, right? Or his belief in himself, right? He's abandoned that and it either worked or it didn't. That's the question. I think a more interesting question for just me speaking solely for myself is did he, what did he choose? Did he wrestle with like in the process of going to this place, right? Flashbacks have told us where his head is. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to this place. I would want to know, did he, is he past the point where he's given up? And so he's just going to float away or is he still wrestling with, or has he decided to turn back or to stay grounded and and embrace life and his own ability to make change? It's It's a very different choice or a point of consternation, I guess, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very different question to leave the audience with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good question. You would have two endings. 
really for this? Does he give You'd up? Have to have, you could have four. Yeah. Like, does he, is, is the question at the end that he's making, he's making a choice to give up or not give up? Or is the question that this will work or won't work? He'll float mm-hmm. away or he won't. He's driven by curiosity or is he just giving up and he's using right. this as a, yeah. That's another as a way to escape, right? I don't know. It's, this is almost one of those ones where you, you write it and you find out the ending when you get there mm-hmm. or you yeah. film it, you know, you write it one way and you film it. And just by observing the actors and even the space, when you film it, maybe you just get a different feel for what ending works best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd, you'd almost have to discover that one, maybe even in the editing, you know, you just shoot it different ways and then you just look at it in the editing and see which one creates a, a consistent sensation in you mm-hmm. as you observe it. And it could just be like looking in that direction could be the end, right. Mm-hmm. To kind of show that he's like headed that way. Yeah. Or he takes a step towards that area. I mean, there's a lot of ways to look yeah, at this. And he, or either, if he turns around, you don't see him anymore. You know, or he's holding on and he either lets go or he doesn't. Yeah. And it's, you don't know. You know? It's kind of interesting. He's like barely holding the railing or something. And it just with like a few fingers and it's like, you see fingers twitch uh-huh. and then it cuts yeah. and you don't know. Did he, does that mean he was going to grab hold with his fist and pull back? Or does that mean he was letting go? Yeah. And then, I mean, there's so many ways. I don't know. Yeah. This is something you'd have to explore multiple it's, ways. It's, I think it's an idea that kind of lends itself to, a whole bunch of different scenarios. Like there's so many ways to go with it. If you have it as a short film, you can have what we just talked about. And I'm sure there's a lot of different ways to explore that, that we haven't even talked about. You could have it, you know, longer as a movie You can almost even have it as a series, right? Like this oh, I mean, mystery. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, you're discovering he has a magical ability or the universe is falling apart and it could be a series of, you know, and they all have, everybody has to go to a wizarding school. You know I mean? There's so it's a conspiracy, ways. <laughs> right? It's a conspiracy <laughs> where this like advanced tech civilization has created this. Sure. Framework. Right. Right. hundred percent. There's so many ways you could go, but I, I really like the short film version, at least as one exploration of this concept, because it really challenges people. Like that's the point of it. Right. I, I, in my mind, yeah. if, if this were me, if, you know, I know you're sort of, you have your own vision and this is your project. If you suddenly floated off the earth and I was in charge of production, I would want to think what is the most challenging place that I can, you know, or the place I can put an audience member where they feel the most fundamentally challenged where their perspective or some fundamental aspect of their perspective, some belief they have is pressured so that it's a little bit like asking people if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Like you want to activate that. I I would want to activate that mindset in them where they're sort of questioning something about their own choices or their own engagement with reality for just a second and then leave them in a place where that's not resolved. The really challenging part is having it not be really cliche when you're building out the character. And there has to be one moment in this short film where it's really easy for the audience to recognize what is this big choice that he had to make or what mistake did he make that's kind of leading him on this journey. And that's a tricky thing to do because you have to explain, you know, this place that has no gravity. Why does he start researching this in the first place? Does he 
overhear someone saying something earlier on in the film? Is it some brochure that he picks up somewhere? Is it, you know, right. where, where is this right. coming from? You know, I just Googled it. No gravity spot near me. <laughs> some YouTube channel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's like throwing stuff in there and it's floating away. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know. I, th- I think you're right. There's a lot of artistry in this, which is why it's more manageable as a short film. I think maybe, maybe that in fact, a shorter time uh, maybe makes it have to be tighter and it, it, it increases the difficulty, but I still think it, it works great as a short film. I think that's, that's a fun version of it. Again, there are lots of other ways to go, but I think as an auteur, your vision would be key here. Yeah. I think and it's it, something that could be doable. You know, it's like something yeah. that like a concept that's a high concept idea, I think, but that's visually doesn't have to be overly complicated in terms mm-hmm. of special effects or anything like that. Because the whole the whole journey is to get to that one point and that big question mark at the end, like what is he what does he decide? It's really like a a movie about or a short film about a journey, not really the actual destination. It's more like a metaphor, the idea that you're floating away, because that could be anything. Right. No, it's definitely a metaphor uh, and maybe a couple of them. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's, that's enough to get the ball rolling, but what are the questions that we need the audience to answer? I think we need to figure out the one pivotal event in his life that has led him to start going on this journey in the first place. And I think it has to be pretty significant and really mm-hmm. strong to kind of ground it and really quickly in the movie mm-hmm. or else it's going to get very confusing as to what he's actually doing. I kind of see it like him not being able to save somebody. So he's riddled with guilt over it, but save yeah. somebody. How is it? He, is it someone who's like overdosed? Does he find his wife overdose? So like you can kind of imply that he was trying to help them. You know what I mean? So it becomes more of a, Oh, this is, this is why this guy is like this. It's not just him going to find this spot. So it makes mm-hmm. his choice so much more important. I think, I think what you want, if I understand correctly, is you want an event. So you want the audience to suggest an event that creates such a fundamental conflict inside of this person mm-hmm. that he is then driven in the direction of contemplating literally floating away. Mm-hmm. Like he is on the verge of self-annihilation. Like he has lost such a grip on who he is Mm -hmm. and his sense of being able to control things that are important to him in his life or manage things that are important to him in his life or his life now seems so different. Mm -hmm. Like his future seems so without purpose or hope. So what is an event that could trigger that conflict? Yes, exactly. Like, does he leave, no, does he leave the stove on and like, there's an explosion or something like, I know it's Mm -hmm. pretty dramatic, but something that no, no, but it could work if somebody had OCD and they had a long history of intrusive thoughts about harming others by after making a mistake like that, like leaving a door unlocked or, mm-hmm. you know, leaving a stove on or the oven or something. And then that actually happened. And then that so unmoored them mm-hmm. because it was the exact thing that they had convinced themselves was 
not something they needed to worry about. Like they were just intrusive thoughts. They weren't real concerns or fears or dangers. And then it happened or I don't know. I mean, there's, I don't, I don't, this is, this is going to be so subjective. I would actually be curious what people think would trigger this in someone such a fundamental conflict, especially if that person was not, as you're suggesting, not already headed in that direction. You're not saying a sequence of events gradually triggered this or a lifetime of certain things and role models have led them to this place. You're saying this is someone who was grounded and some event occurred and it created such an internal conflict that they have literally lost touch with the ground. Yes, exactly. And I think for a short, especially, it needs to be one thing. It can't Mm -hmm. be this gradual progression. I mean, it could be a gradual progression, but you need a a really long set of montages in order to show this, right? (laughs) Montage. Right. And it doesn't, I don't know. It has to be something that you can kind of think of, right? And say, oh, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. And now we can move on to this other part of his journey. Yeah. And I think it's more interesting. I think it's more interesting that way. It's dramatic. It's interesting. It punctuates a short film with a, a really intense event. So yes. But what is that event? And and that's a really interesting idea. I think if everybody listening pauses and goes to the kind of dark place that, you know, you love dark everything and you try to turn all my ideas into dark things. So I'm going to do it to you. They go to the dark place of asking themselves, what would do that to me? You know, then maybe that's the answer. Why don't we just turn it to a buddy comedy then? Yeah, I was going to ask you (laughs) who the funny sidekick is. So does this guy who's floating away have some sort of mercenary skills? Was he formerly in the CIA? (laughs) Does he kill billionaires? (laughs) For those of you that listen to the other podcast, (laughs) you know the one. Yeah, the singular What do you think, mom? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hi, Mark. (laughs) Just text me when you get this. For those of you listening. Singular. Yeah. <laughs> Singular you. <laughs> oh man. No, this is great. I love this. This is a great idea. It's very different. Uh, I like the way you tackled it. I also love that it's doable. And I think 10 people could make this film and in just going off of what we said, like sticking mm-hmm. to that and you could get 10 very different experiences and that in itself would be art. So I think that's very interesting. Yeah. I, I think it's something that if you really, really thought it through and had every single scene really convey that message of loss or this particular event, I think you would have something pretty tight. I think it's something that could be a 10 minute short film. Like it Mm -hmm. could have that really limited time span to tell the whole story Mm -hmm. if you kind of put it together in the right way. Well, but the audio commentary from us would be like three hours. So you'd bonus. have to loop That's the 10 the minutes for three full hours. While <laughs> we talk. Every 15 seconds, we pause it. And then we, 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 yeah, we just pause it. Or we talk through 10 minutes and then it'd be <laughs> us talking for another two and a half hours with just a black screen. <laughs> <laughs> There's no filler. It's like a three DVD set. <laughs> like, almost all of it is just us talking with totally. the bonus the bonus director's cut which is just black screen <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> the director's your director's cut it's two minutes 
but with an extra four hours of commentary. <laughs> the comedic commentary, the more serious commentary, <laughs> right. the alternate endings that weren't filmed. <laughs> the theme songs that we didn't record. <laughs> the backstory of the character told in five different perspectives. The sci-fi talking version. hedgehog pet that <laughs> was really key for the yeah, event in the first out. place. Yeah, we cut it all out. His animated cartoon sidekick. His parakeet dies, and that's what kicks this whole thing over. <laughs> <laughs> the zombie attack in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Great. But yeah, that's good stuff. Re- this is Thanks really for good. bringing it. Yeah. Hey, no worries. Thanks for talking it through. I mean, it, it went in a completely different direction than I was originally thinking. And at least that simplified version of him just walking and floating away. I think this, mm-hmm. is, this is pretty strong, I think, for a short. There was like a pretty yeah. strong resolution and not a resolution, but an ending that would make you think if everything a, else is set up correctly. There's a package here, but I definitely think what ends up being the final product, like even what you're trying to, what, you know, quote unquote, trying to say as an artist depends on what you have at the end of the day in the can and what you can edit and then oh, yeah. what you like out of that mess. You know, It would be completely different than yeah. whatever you write. Oh, it's absolutely. completely done in the editing and yep. the ending could be totally different. Mm-hmm. Than what you, yeah. Than what you I expect. mean, just half a second difference in when you cut mm-hmm. uh, just the presence of a sound mm-hmm. at the end, like anything like that with this version could radically alter whether people got where you wanted them to be or not, you know? And of course, some people are going to have really negative reactions to it just because of what it is. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to love it because they're going to take it in different ways in their mind. Like if it's not, if you don't even attempt to explain the science fiction elements of it, then some people who are metaphysically inclined, you know, spiritual, not religious and things like that, those people are going to embrace it just because it's different and it doesn't force that science explanation, you know? So anyway, this, I think it's, it's really cool. It's an exciting idea in large part because it's doable. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely doable, especially doing it the way that we we discussed. Yeah, you know, with the hedgehog, with the hedgehog, the parakeet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, what is that Jim Carrey movie? Oh, Ace pet Ventura. Detective. Yeah, yeah. It's a pet detective with a met- metaphysical spin. All righty then. All right. All righty then. Bumblebee tuna. <laughs>